Happy Sunday, church. We doing all right? All right. Hey, my name is Cody Wason. I'm the lead pastor here. Just want to say thank you for joining us uh, on your Sunday evening. We're going to have a great time continuing to worship God together. And uh, before we jump into the last edition, installment, if you will, of our Jesus Story series, uh, I'm going to pause. And a few weeks ago, I was able to bring our church family into the adoption process that was going on with a couple of our families. So uh, if you were there, uh, I mentioned that um, uh, on staff, we have Nolan and Sarah Gilmore here. Nolan, come up here. Come up. Hey, he didn't know he was coming up here, but he always looks like he's ready to be on stage. So I figured I'd bring him up here. Um, And so why don't you just bring the church in? You, You shared a video with us a couple weeks ago. How are you guys doing now that you're back in, in the city? Hey, guys. <laughs> um, we're good. We're back. We're in, have you ever been to Phoenix in, in July? <laughs> Woof. Bless our Antioch Phoenix. Um, they are on mission every day in Phoenix to stay alive, I promise. Um, no, it was great. We were there for two weeks and two weeks and one day, so 15 days, and it was great. Um, Ezra King Gilmore is officially ours in our custody, and he will be uh, officially a Gilmore in six months with the state of Utah. So, pretty awesome stuff. We're home. You all are providing meals, and it's so sweet, and it's so good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so we're doing really good. Thanks so much for asking me to be here. I love putting people on the spot. All right, and so what I, uh, I also mentioned a couple weeks ago is that there's a, another family uh, in our church that is uh, responding to the call that God's put on their family to, to, to adopt, and they're actually here. They were out of town a couple weeks ago, but they're here with us tonight. I want to invite Carrie and Ryan Brockstroman up here on stage. Give it up for them. Hey, so if you... Uh, we want to get behind the, the people in our church, like the Gilmores, like the Brockstermans, like whoever else is responding to the call to uh, bring family to where there's no family and to, and to uh, step into the adoption process, the foster care process. So I've asked them to just share a little bit of their journey of, of what they feel like God's asking them to do, where they're at in the journey, and how we as a church family can rally around them. Well, our journey, I just want to start out is really uh, showing us that God is faithful and that God is good. Um, it started, Carrie went to Guatemala in high school to an orphanage, and I was able to go with her a few years later. And at that time, it really opened her eyes to what the conditions are like in, um, for an orphanage. And even this orphanage was great, but it's still not a home. And at that time, we had some family friends who were adopting internationally. And through that and traveling, it was really eye-opening of, we didn't know, there's actually millions of orphans in the world. Um, I thought it would be in the thousands. Um, But there's millions and millions of orphans worldwide and in the U.S. And then through that, we also realized that in the Bible, God gives a call for to care for the orphan. And so that's always been a heart, or on our hearts, for since high school and college. And now we've stepped into that, and God has been faithful. And we've realized his, um, 
his heart for the orphan. He will do whatever it takes to get to them, and we're just um, in that process. And so right now, we are three-quarters of the way through the process. Um, it, it takes about 10 months. They call it a paperwork pregnancy. <laughs> and my wife has done a wonderful job at that. <laughs> it really is. Um, but so we're three-quarters of the way. This week, hopefully, we will be sending our final documents to China to be approved. We already have our daughter matched. Um, we may have a picture. Oh. So she is two years old right now. Her name is Leah. Um, yeah, she's great. So she is in an orphanage. Um, hopefully soon she will have a family. Um, we have two other kids. They're very excited. Um, and it's been a great process. God has brought us together as a family, um, stronger now than we were. And now we're going to have five, and it's going to be amazing. Hey, so can you, for those of us that, like, have never done any sort of, uh, gone down the road of adoption, can you just bring us in on... Um, the financial aspect of it, and, you, you know, because so 10 months of paperwork, for most of us, that's enough to make us want to tap out, but uh, what's the faith journey been like for you guys, and then where are you guys at today, and how can we as a church, whether it's praying for you, or supporting your family, or financially, or otherwise, what do you guys need? Um, so that's the other part, so besides the paperwork, it cost about $35,000, um, that was shocking to us as well. And that's another faithful part. We, there's no way we have that money um, without trusting God. So we stepped out and really just in faith. And we've had the church and family and friends rally around us. There are um, a lot of good agencies for, that have grants that will help um, just to get these kids in homes. So, so far, we've raised about $25,000. That's been good. Yep. So this last 10000 is the home stretch. Hopefully we travel within the next four months. We're hoping around Christmas, so that'd be a good Christmas present. Um, hey, so um, obviously there's the financial element that we can step up to the plate, I think, as a church family and start to support these guys whatever we can. Actually, I think we have a slide in different ways you can support them. So I don't know if you can see that. Uh, if you want to, they have a GoFundMe set up. They also have Venmo. Uh, and I would just challenge us all to pray and just say, hey, wh wh whatever, uh, no, no amount is insignificant in the journey of, of bringing an orphan to a family. So what can you do? What, how can we partner? And also uh, just the, the offering that we took, the tithe we took this, uh, tonight will go towards this fund. And so we're given everything. I don't know how much it is or isn't, but whatever it is, we're saying, Lord, would you use it to bring Leah home? And uh, so hey, I think there's just like something for us in this is we partner with, with the Brockstermans and with families in the future because it's not going to be long 
Maybe it's going to be long for them, but that's going to be long. it's not going to be long for us until Leah's running around these, these halls, and they're a part, she's a part of our family, and we're going to get to, to uh, be a part of helping uh, uh, raise her as a church family, and it's just, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. And so, um, would you just pray with, actually, I'm going to have Kate come up, my wife, and just, let's just pray uh, over them and with them for the remaining a couple months, the remaining $10,000 for financial favor and all the other things. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for the Broxtermans. We thank you for their yes. We thank you that they are faithful ones who heard the call and said, we will be those ones. So, God, I just pray as they continue this journey, Jesus, would you provide everything they need um, emotionally and spiritually and financially, God. We thank you that you will open up heaven and pour out your riches, that we would see the kingdom advance through Leah's life. God, we thank you for this precious life. We say, be with her right now. Would she know that she has a mother and a father and a brother and a sister who love her, adore her, and are waiting for her? God, would we be the church family? Would we rise up and would we say yes to the calling of adoption? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, if you are a visitor, welcome to the family. <laughs> we, that's just how we do things around here. So uh, we have been in a series for the last several weeks called Jesus Stories, and it is an honor and a privilege tonight to wrap that series up. Uh, and next week, I don't know if you guys have caught on yet, but we kind of operate on a school calendar. So next week, we're going back to two services, 4 and 5.30. If you come at 5, you'll either be really late or really early. Um, and so uh, we'll just ask you to, to figure out which one is best for you. And child care is provided at the 4. Uh, and so that should just take note in there. Um, but we are excited as we step into a, a new season, a new series. Just really feel like God's got incredible things for us uh, this fall. But before we get there, I feel like he's got something for us tonight, and I'm going to keep it as simple as possible. It's a, it's a simple message, and I pray that it is a powerful one. If you have your Bible, turn to John 6, 25. Don't throw it up on the screen yet. Oh, my bad. Y'all are good. My bad. Just, I'm gonna, so if you have your Bible or your phone, you can go ahead and get ready. Uh, we're going to be in uh, John 6, starting in verse 25, but I want to set us up a little bit for what we're, uh, the passage we're about to read. And I want to set us up by actually telling you a story of something that happened to me this weekend uh, with my daughter. And so uh, this weekend, this Saturday, um, actually the amazing state, uh, uh, Grace Staley, Blake Staley, they're good friends of ours, and they texted us and said, hey, we're, we're taking our kiddos to the arcade. Anyone ever been to Nickel Mania on State Street? Yeah, it was awesome. So thank you. Check it out. Blake crushed it. Blake beat all the other kids in the amount of tickets. Uh, he is just a big kid. I love watching him. Um, so so I, I, I packed up Eleanor and Shepard. We went over there. We joined them. I mean, Shepard's not even two. So I opened the door, and it's just lights and buzzers and sounds and people. And I'm expecting him to, like, you know, be a little freaked out. But he just ran. And he, the whole time, he was too young to do anything, and he had more fun than anyone else. He was just running around, pointing, lights, sounds, people. He was trying to get tickets out of, as, as they were coming out of the games. He was like, I'll take that very much. Yeah, it was awesome. Eleanor, our sweet Eleanor, she's an observer. So she walks in, and it is like stimulation overload, and she's uh, four. And so she walks in. She takes her a few minutes, and then I remember she came up to me and said, okay, Dad, I want to play games. 
Like she had to like get, get on board for a few minutes. And then we started playing games, and it was great. I mean, she had a few meltdowns because at four, she, um, she's in the season where she wants to do everything that I can't. She wants to be an adult. Uh, she, uh, the other day in the car, she asked, um, she got really sad, and is like, I just wish I could drive us to uh, the store. I just wish I could sit in that seat, and she's like, and, and, and hold on to the circle thingy. And I was like, yeah, okay, you've got 14, or actually, no, 12 years. <laughs> oh, Lord, mercy. So she had a few meltdowns because she wanted to do everything and play anything, but it was great. And then afterwards, you know, you get all the tickets, and you take them over to the counter. And I was like, you, you got 150 tickets. And she picked out suckers and taffy and smarties and then a yellow plastic frog that she had to have. And so we get in the car, load, them, load the kids in, uh, and I've, I'm holding all this candy. And, and she goes, Daddy, can I, have, can I have my Laffy Taffy? And I'm like, yeah, Absolutely. You earned it. Great job. So uh, Laffy Taffy goes back. She starts eating it. I'm like, hey, it's almost lunchtime. Hey, what do you say we go to Chick-fil-A? She freaks out. Yeah, Chick-fil-A, fried food. Like, this is awesome. I'm just like, Saturdays are like, they don't count for parenting right now for me. I'm just like, we just got to get through today. It's going to be a long day. We're going to be together. And so fried food and candy, I am crushing it on the dad, dad life. And so we start driving, and I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, Shepard has a sucker in his hand. He's, I, he's so quiet eating his sucker that I had to have Eleanor check on him to make sure he was okay. Um, we're just doing really well. And we're, we drive the Chick-fil-A. Uh, we get the, the chicken nuggets and the fries. We're driving home, and then all of a sudden, Eleanor remembers a question that she had asked me the night before. And this question is becoming the nightly routine um, for Eleanor right now in the season. And so the night before, I had, we had been tucking her into bed, like it's a whole process. It's, you know, tell me a story, read me a story, tell me the story again, read me another story. Um, and that's it, great. I love it. But it was 8.30 and I was, ready to get, I was ready to go to bed myself. And she's tucked in and she goes, hey, dad, do you think maybe tomorrow, just, and she gets all bashful and she said, maybe just tomorrow if I have a good attitude, like, can I have a donut? It's 8.30 at night. She's like, can I have a donut tomorrow? And me not wanting to start off a tantrum or anything, I just was like, we'll see. We'll see. And she's like, but, and she goes, but is that, can I have a donut tomorrow? And I was like, we'll see. Good night. Shut the door. Like, <laughs> we'll see. So she remembers. She has this moment. She's like got Laffy Taffy, like coming out the side of her mouth. She's covered in blue. And, 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 and she goes, dad, how about after lunch, we get my donut? And I'm like, oh, my Lord, no. So I, I, I go, hey, uh, actually, not today, sweetie. Well, the next, the next five to seven minutes of my life could have gone better if I had chosen a different route. <laughs> uh, she proceeds to have an epic meltdown. And then she's got Laffy Taffy going everywhere. She, was, she had found a little package of those Smarties. Those, I don't even know what that is. I think it's just round sugar. And, uh, and she threw it against the window. Smarties are going everywhere. I'm driving down State Street. And I remember having this moment where I'm like, I, I come to a stoplight and I turn back to Eleanor and I'm really calm and I, and I, have an, I try to have an existential moment with my four-year-old. And I go, Eleanor, you woke up and you had, uh, you had like a bagel for breakfast. And we went to the arcade and you got candy. And I took you to you got Chick-fil-A. And I told you, because I'm just like a pushover today, that after lunch you can have a sucker. What will make you happy? Like, how can you not be happy 
what more will it take? I remember saying to her, what more will it take? And she just looks at me, and she's like, I'm not interested in an existential conversation. And so she starts screaming again. And I'm just, I I go back to driving, and I'm just, like, processing, and she's losing it behind me, like, Lord, why why can't kids ever get enough? Like, why can they never be satisfied? And I felt like as I drove down State Street, just the thought of heaven popped into my head. I felt like God just said, hey, if you figure it out, let me know. And I was like, what? That's not how this is supposed to work. And I'm like, God, like all day, every day. It's just a never-ending, like crackers and apple juice and applesauce. I have more crackers and candy and donuts and ice cream. They can't get enough. So tonight, I want to talk about what does it look like for us to be satisfied? What does it look like for us to be satisfied in Jesus? Because I felt like that thought from heaven, when I, when I was driving, I just that, that thought popped in. Hey, if you figure out, let me know. If you figure out why you can't get, be satisfied, let me know. And I started thinking about that the rest of the drive home. And I was like, man, maybe I'm just like a big baby. Maybe just like a big, I'm just a big kid. And I started looking at my life, and I was like, okay, like, like let's, just take, let's just go down another route of the food analogy. Like, like we're, the way we're designed as humans, like, like we're, we're never satisfied enough with food. Like, think of Thanksgiving. It's going to happen in a couple months. We will change what we wear to prepare to be gluttons. We will choose our outfit based on overeating. And then what will happen? The next morning, what will we do? We'll eat again. Like, not even 12 hours later, and we're like, I got to have more. I got to have, and I just started thinking about food. I was like, gosh, food's awful. I'm like, I hate food. No, I don't. But I was like, just thinking about it, we constantly are craving it. And you guys right now, some of you are planning your dinner as I speak. And you're going to go home and you're going to have amazing meals. And then you're going to wake up in the morning and you're just going to start all over. Like, I got to have more food. I got to have more food. And I started just thinking about life and like, what else? Like, that's, that's in the physical. What about in the spiritual? I was like, God, how, how quickly am I desperate for you to show up? I need more. I need another moment with you. I need another encounter. I need another miracle. I forget everything you've done to leading me up. I forget of your faithfulness. I forget of your goodness. I forget of your love. And I'm just sitting in a place of, God, why won't you show up? And he's like, are you kidding me? I took you to the arcade, and I took you to Chick-fil-A, and I've been faithful over your entire life. What more do you need? What more do you want? What else do we use to satisfy us? This is like the classic church like message on sin. It's like sin is like Taco Bell is what I'm learning. Sin and Taco Bell are so, like, I, and here's the problem though. This is where the analogy loses itself because I love Taco Bell. <laughs> but I'd like to think I don't love sin. But like, it like promises to be amazing. Like I see a commercial. I'm like, they've come up with another way to put nacho cheese on something and make me want it. Like, it just, like, people are judging me so bad. I don't care uh, because I know that you've gone there at midnight too, and you don't want to tell anyone. So I'm fine. I'm totally fine. But I'm like, it offers to, like, be, and you know what happens? I, get, I drive there. I, we, I, I get it. I get home. It takes, like, 37 seconds to inhale it, and then I feel awful, and I hate my life. And I'm like, what have I done? I hope, and I'm like, you know, like, just don't, like, hide, take, I used to, like, when, when the kids were real little, they, they, uh, they both had a really hard time sleeping, but especially Eleanor, so when she was an infant, like, the, one of the only things that would keep, like, her calm at night was if I drove her around, 
And so I would drive her for hours. I got, if you guys were ever out at like 2, 3 a.m., you probably passed me on some side street or some highway or at Taco Bell. Because it would be like 3 a.m. and I'm like, I need a Baja Blast. I'm gonna, I got I to gotta keep going. And I would get home and I would, and I would like get, the, get her in, situated in bed. It would be like 3 a.m. and I'd be like, I have, to go, I have to go hide the garbage so that Kate won't find out. I have, to, I have to tell her that at three, I ate Taco Bell on my own terms. I don't want her, like, opening the car door and stuff just spilling out. So I'm, like, 3 a.m. in my driveway, like, hoping people don't see me throwing away Taco Bell. It's like it promises so much, and it leaves me so empty. Right? Taco Bell is a lot like sin. Okay, so what sin promises to like be enough for you. It promises to satisfy, and it, and it gives you a hit. It gives you a feeling. It gives you a moment. It gives you a taste. You, you get the relationship. You get the, you get the high. You get the, 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 the night out. You get the drink, whatever it is. And then it leaves you destroyed, embarrassed, wanting more. Just constantly wanting, wanting more. Hey, you've got to actually, you've got to do more. You've got you to drink more, take more. You've got to do all of this more if you're going to actually get satisfied again. And it keeps leaving us empty and empty. So going off of last week, if you were here, I talked about the good can distract us from the great. That the good things in life can distract us from Jesus. Tonight I want to kind of dovetail off of that message and talk about what does it look like for us to be distracted from the true source of our satisfaction. So some of you are like, let's go to the Bible already. John 6, 25. Actually, I'm going to give you a little more context before we read it. <laughs> Okay, so here's, we're coming into the middle of a chapter here. What has just happened uh, in the verses prior to this is one of the most famous moments of Jesus' ministry. He will go down in history. He'll be known at it, uh, about it for the rest of civilization. He had just fed 5,000. So this is just after he had uh, miraculously loaves and fish fed. Now, those are 5,000, that's 5,000 men. So if we're actually being honest, like most people that, that study the, the Bible would say, we're actually looking at more of a feeding of twelve to 20,000 when you include women and children. And he had just done that the night before. So if, this is, if verse 25 is Saturday morning, then Friday night he had just provided miraculous food for everyone. And then as the night wore down and people started going to bed, he puts the disciples on a boat, tells them to go to the other side of the lake, and then in the middle of the night he meets them over there. The crowd wakes up Saturday morning, and they look around, and Jesus and the disciples are gone, and they start looking for him, and that's where we pick up in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Do any of you all have the people in your life, and maybe you're the person that, is a, like on road trips, is obsessed with every minute you can shave off your time? Like, I, I think of dads for some reason when I think of that. I'm like, I don't know if I'm that. Am I that? I don't know. But then that person that's like, I got to beat, like the, the iPhone saying I'm going to get there at 6, I got to get there before. Right? Okay. So I, it is me. Let's just be honest. That's me. <laughs> okay. 
well, just check out this, like, the, the ludicrousy of humanity. Thousands of people have crossed the lake and walked around the lake to get to Jesus. And they find him. The Jesus who just had, had performed an, an incredible miracle. Thousands of people fed. More than enough food to go around. They find him. And I just picture, like, like Jesus standing there. And he's like, oh, okay, they found me. And this crowd starts to gather they're like, hey, we, like, you know, what, what's going to happen next? Like, we're, we, why'd you make us, like, come search for you? And some guy pipes up, when would you get here? What? what? Like, hey, when did, like, what, 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 what road did you take? How long did it take you to get here? Like, I just picture the dad in the, in the, in the, in the group. Like, hey, did you, like, go straight or did you take a crosswind to try and cut off a few minutes? Like, when did you get here? And Jesus responds, he hear, like, he's like, hey, when did you get here? And Jesus responds, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because of what you saw. He doesn't answer the question. Hey, when did you get here? And he just is like, that's the wrong question. I think some of us need to hear that. Like some of us are like, we're desperate. We're like, God, why, why haven't you done this? And he's like, that is the wrong question. God, why, when are you going to do this? When, 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 when? That's the wrong question. And Jesus says, hey, you're asking me why I'm here, when I got here, how I got here. Let me actually tell you what you need, which is you need to understand why you're here. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. They had just seen just this incredible miracle. And they woke up the next morning and they're like, where's our bread guy? We want more food. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's like, you guys crossed the lake. You walked around the lake. You, I mean, miles. Uh, you woke up this morning and decided to go on miles-long journey to get to me because you want me to provide you with more food. He's like, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. You need to put as much, if not more, work like that into being concerned about your spiritual hunger and your spiritual satisfaction. So he's using this idea of work, like, man, you worked really hard to come here that I might feed you again. But he, and he's going to turn the table. you gotta, you got to work harder on caring about your spiritual well-being. And are, you, are you concerned about the spiritual? And so, of course, this is the response. In verse 28, Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they just, they just model humanity so well in the story. They ask really dumb questions. And then, and then they show like the, 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 the depth of the human heart here. God has just said, you need to care more about your spiritual satisfaction and your spiritual well-being. You're so obsessed with the bread and the fish. You're willing to do whatever it takes to get that next meal. You're willing to go to great lengths. You're so concerned about your food and your body and what's happening. You need to work a little bit on being concerned about the spiritual. And they say, okay, so, so, so tell us, what do we need to do? What do we have to do? He's saying you have to work. In order to be satisfied eternally, you got to work at it a little bit. And they're like, okay, just tell us. Isn't that like... Isn't that the echo of the human heart? If you will just tell me what to do, I'll do it, and then I'll be satisfied. Just give me a formula. Just give me some structure. Just give me some checkboxes. Just tell me what I need to do that I might have this eternal satisfaction that you're describing. 
And this is the response of Jesus in verse 28, or verse 29. This is the work. This is what you got to do to be satisfied. Believe in, who, in him whom he has sent. Jesus says, you think satisfaction comes from doing, but it actually comes from a state of being. I think that echoes here for us tonight. The things we do, according to Jesus, will never satisfy us. So yeah, we can talk about Taco Bell and sin and all the bad choices, and yeah, that stuff's never going to satisfy uh, 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 ultimately. But Jesus is looking at you saying, like, even doing good stuff, if I gave you a check list, and somehow you were able to just, just grin and bear it and do it enough and get all the boxes checked and be good enough, you wouldn't be satisfied. You will only be satisfied by believing in me. It's actually a state, it's just a posture of the heart that he says, this is, this is, how, this is where satisfaction comes from. Let's keep going. We'll get back to that in a second. Verse 30. So he's just said, this is the work of God, that you believe in, in me. I'm the one he has sent. Believe in me, you'll be satisfied. So they said to him, verse 30, then what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, so what this is, what Scripture sounds like it's saying here is that miracles will have a shelf life on how long they'll sustain you. These people, this is the next morning. They had just, not 12 hours, watched Jesus perform one of the most incredible miracles ever. And 12 hours later, they're like, okay, so how are you going to prove to us that you're really legit? What else are you going to do? I mean, our, 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 our God Moses, he, he brought bread from heaven. So what are you going to do? Now, you have to think in context here. He's talking to a Jewish crowd. It, it, and again, if you, we put ourselves in the story, if we had been the uh, Jewish people that he had been preaching to Friday night and, and, and done the miracle for, we would have grown up hearing the story of our people. I mean, we do that now. We, we all like go to U.S. history class and we hear about George Washington and, and, and other guys. And, and there's like, I think there's some on like this mountain somewhere. And I bet some of you could tell me who all four are on there. And, and we know some of the story and we know some characters. And the Jewish people were like that too. They had their own story. They had their own uh, major players in the story of their people, their ancestors, their grandfathers, their grandmothers would have been led by people like Moses. And Moses, all throughout the Old Testament, these figures from the Old Testament, they're just arrows pointing, they're, they're preludes to Jesus. They're arrows preparing people for Jesus. And so they're like, hey, our, our ancestors, like my great-grandfather would tell my, my grandfather who told my dad, who told me about the time that they, that they got manna from heaven. What are you going to do? And they're just, what they're talking about is they're referencing uh, Exodus 16. And what they're saying is for the Jewish people, this was the hang-up. Moses was their guy. Moses was the man. And, and, and they're like, if you're really going to be the Messiah, you've got to prove that you're like, better than Moses. Because all the prophets foretold of the coming Messiah, uh, but we got to make sure that, that you're actually him. And, 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 and Moses, Moses can't be greater than you. You've got to be greater than him. So they're, they're, they're basically saying to Jesus, prove. Prove it. 
Prove that you're better than Moses. Prove it that you're better than, our, than what our ancestors got. Prove that you're the Messiah. They're referencing Exodus 16. A lot of you have, know this story. It's been in movies, books. It's the story of the, of the people of Israel, the people of God being set free from slavery in Egypt. And they're led out in this series of miracles. God's, God just shows up and there's all these plagues that he sends on Egypt. And he forces them to release the people of God. And they get out. And then the Egyptians start chasing them. And then there's the, the famous parting of the Red Sea. God shows up, does a miracle through Moses, gives them safe passage. And, and, and these people, the, the, these ancestors of theirs, I mean, they were there. Like they saw it. Like the locusts flew over their head. Like they were at the shore when the Red Sea parted. And they walked across. And talk about miracles having a shelf life. Let's look at Exodus 16. This is just after they've been set free. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. At least there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Now, just before this, it tells us the timeline. The shelf life for this group of people was six weeks. This is six weeks after they'd been set free from Egypt. And they're wishing they were dead. And they're complaining. And they're saying, God, you're here to, you, you must be out to kill us. Why aren't you showing up? We're hungry. We're thirsty. Where are you? I wish you would have killed us. At least when we were slaves, they gave us some meat. And out of the mercy of God, he, he preludes the coming of Jesus. Throw that back up on the screen. He says, I'm going to send bread from heaven. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. The bread from heaven. The manna is what it was called, from heaven. And I think it's important to note that God provided enough for them for every day. God was setting into motion the system. I've designed you to need food every day. I've designed you. The, part of the human condition is to be on a never-ending quest for satisfaction. You will never stop needing food. You will never stop needing water. It will consume your physical world. And I've actually built it into the human heart, the same exact thing for me. That you will be on a desperate need, you will have a desperate desire to be filled up spiritually, to be content, to be satisfied. And I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm not going to give you a week's worth of bread so that you can, you can just gorge yourself and then, and then try to last until the next time I provide. No, no, I'm just going to give you, this is what you need for today. And then in the morning when you wake up, you're going to need me again. And you're going to go out and you're going to get it. And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day. We are a everyday Jesus people. We have to be. See, I think for a lot of us, this question of, of the ultimate, are we ultimately satisfied in Jesus? Do we, do we ultimately, does, are we consumed by the love that he has for us, the grace that he has, the relationship that he offers, and are we finding our satisfaction? I think this is the issue for a lot of us. We believe that we can survive on miracles and on moments. And what Exodus 16 is saying is it's day by day. 
See, a lot of us, we have this idea that we're just going to, church is going to be really good on Sunday, and that's going to last me to the next Sunday, and I hope church is really good then too. And then I'm going to have this, oh, encounter night was awesome, and I had this awesome, uh, went to this awesome conference, and I went on a mission trip, and I had this incredible moment, and oh, God healed me, and I had this incredible miracle, and we have all these moments, and as, we, as we're charting our life, we're just trying that, we're hoping that the latest miracle or the latest moment will catapult us and sustain us long enough until we get another one. And we're just kind of hopping along. Like, and you know what happens is when the miracles and the moment doesn't happen, and we just fall, and we're like the, then we're like the Israelites. I'd rather be dead. God, you don't even care about me. Where are you? Where, where, are, you are you really a miracle working God? Are you really about... Uh, we look at the people from the story with Jesus. Like 12 hours earlier, they had a moment. They had been fed by the Messiah. It was this ultimate display of his authority and his power. And 12 hours later, they're like, we need another one. Because if we're going to make it, like we've got to have another, we've got to get another one. We can't be miracle and moment followers of Jesus. Now, we, 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 can, the, we can welcome them. I need all the miracles and all the moments. I need all the encounters. I need all the, those, those, those whether it's uh, corporately at church, just having uh, this meeting with the person of Jesus or just encountering the Spirit, whether it's alone in my, in, in the, my basement office that doubles as our laundry room and, and the kids are going crazy and, and the dog just peed on the floor. That was like two days ago. And I've got the Bible and i got worship. I'm like, God, I need a moment. I don't, I don't need a miracle right now. I don't need you to come. And, uh, I just need a little, I just, today I need a moment. Today I need an encounter. Today I need you. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to need another one. And, uh, and so on and so on and so on. We are day by day. I think of a lot of us struggle with not being satisfied, myself included, with Jesus. Because it's been a long time since we met with him. Like, we can't, like, there was this one time in high school when you just had this crazy moment with Jesus. You gave him his, your life. You, it was authentic. It was real. It was powerful. But you haven't really, you haven't really spent time with him. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been months. Maybe it's been years. And ultimately, we're, we're like, does he even satisfy? Like, I wish, I'd, I wish I could go back to being enslaved by sin. Because at least by being enslaved by sin, I knew I could go get a hit every once in a while. That's what, the, that's what the, people, the Israelites were saying in Exodus. Oh, if I could just go back to slavery, working in chains, abused, mistreated, not cared for, not loved, not wanted. But at least there, I knew there was going to be like a, a, some meat at the end of the day. And I knew I could just experience a little satisfaction. See, if we, don't, if we miss the day-by-day part of following Jesus, I think, I think, I think we're liable to be just like these guys. Walk away. You haven't satisfied me lately with a big miracle or a big moment. I I, I got to leave. I got to go find something that will. Jesus ends this passage. We're going to skip down to, uh, let's see. We'll skip down to verse 35. They have a little discourse, and then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Just close your Everyone just close your eyes. I don't like doing this, but let's just do it. I just feel like we're going to do it. Okay, close your eyes. This is Jesus. Think of all the ways that, that, that we have, have been tricked into thinking that other things will satisfy. 
relationships, money, sex, drugs, popularity, Instagram, likes, trendiness, the next job, the next car, the wife, the husband, the kids. And Jesus is breaking through all of that. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You can open your eyes. I just felt like there, like for some, maybe it's just one person in the room. Like Jesus just needed to just say that to, to us. I satisfy. The next promotion will be awesome. And then you'll want it, and then you'll be right back to wanting it again. And you want that marriage so bad. Okay, I'll give it to you. It's still not going to satisfy. You still, that, having a husband doesn't fix all your problems. Having a wife, having kids, having money, having cars, having all this. It just, there's only one thing that's promised. Jesus. And he goes on in the rest of the passage, and it gets really weird. You should read it. It's amazing. So he keeps going, and, and he starts talking about those that feast on me. They'll never hunger. They'll never thirst. The, the, and he starts talking about his flesh and his blood. He's, he's, he's uh, alluding to what's about to happen on the cross. He's speaking. Uh, he, he's alluding to his death and his sacrifice, but the, the people didn't get it. Actually, the Roman Empire used this passage of Jesus in this uh, point in time to try to discredit the spread of Christianity in the Roman world after Jesus died by, by accusing us of being cannibals. Because you read that discourse and Jesus is saying, you got you to gotta eat me and you got to drink me. And people are like, whoa, that's weird. I'm out. And he's like, oh, you're missing it. Just wait a couple days. I'll be on a cross. Maybe you'll get it then. Nothing in this life will satisfy unless we surrender to Jesus. He says, believe. This is the work of God, that you would believe in He who He sent, that you would believe in me. We, we, like To believe, you can believe. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? I'm going to end right here. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your what? There's some different answers in there. He says, go read Matthew 22, verse 36. He says, you got to give me everything. To believe Jesus is one thing. To believe Jesus, to, to trust him, to love him, to surrender your life, to surrender your mind, to surrender your emotions, to surrender your plans, to surrender your desires, your dreams, to surrender at the feet of Jesus and say, I believe you. I believe you're the source of life. I believe nothing else will satisfy. I believe that everything else will leave me dry, destroyed, wanting more. You're, you alone satisfy. We got to surrender. We got to surrender miracles and moments. We got to surrender the good things that would distract us. We got to surrender our sin nature and the, the things of the flesh and the world. And we got to say, Jesus, you alone satisfy. If you're in the room tonight and you don't know Jesus, I'm not here to be a salesman. If I can talk you into following Jesus, someone else can talk you out. That's not how that happens. That's not how that rolls. I'm here to just tell you, nothing else has satisfied me. Nothing else 
has given me a future and a hope. And when the chaos of life happens, when the pain of life happens, nothing else has been an anchor for me but Jesus. And the Bible says we can know him. Like you don't have to come to church and hear other people talk about him. You can know him. You can talk to him. You can worship him. You can ask him your questions. You can cry. You can yell. He can take it. He died that we would have relationship with him. If you're in the room tonight and you don't have relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as just saying yes. The Bible talks about just believing in our heart, professing with our mouth, just laying it all down and making him Lord, and then going on the journey of discovering what it looks like. Why don't we bow our heads? I'm going to pray. You know, there's nothing super spiritual about what I'm about to say. The words change every week. The words change every day. It's about the posture of our heart. So why don't you pray with me? If, if you want to give your life to Jesus, pray with me. If you, if, if, maybe it's probably good for all of us just to pray this prayer as much as we can. Join me. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm so tired of thinking other things will satisfy me. Lord, I, I want to be satisfied. Like in my soul and in my spirit, I want you to come rule and reign. You promise that if I trust you and I believe in you, I won't be hungry and I won't be thirsty and I won't have to go searching for other things. Would you come live with me I believe you are who you say you are. Come be Lord of my life tonight. Amen.